Welcome to Outlander with Friends Podcast, where we talk about our favorite Outlander episodes, favorite whiskeys, and all the other bits that nobody wants to talk about. This podcast is not for the faint of heart, so if you've read about it or watched it, we're going to talk about it. Clutch your pearls and pour a dram. It's time for Outlander with Friends. Ladies, here we are. We're back. It's episode two of Outlander with Friends. It's my turn to choose my episode, and it's episode two, Castle Leoc. Kind of appropriate, don't you think? That's a great episode. I love this episode. Let me tell you just one of the reasons why. We get to meet so many characters that we come to love and come to hate in this episode. There's a couple of them that we've seen before, but we haven't really met them. There's a couple we haven't seen before and wish that we'd never seen again. <coughs> Leary. <coughs> but. You know what? Before we get started on Leary, I mean, I don't want to, this is your episode, but I do have a couple of things that I want to say about her. And people are not going to like it because she's not the villain that we've all made her out to be. I still hate her. Honestly, I agree okay, with you. So she's not the biggest villain that's out there. Even thus far, even thus far, she isn't. I mean, I will tell you, Leary, we'll, I'll wait till we get to that part. But I mean, let's just keep in mind that in this episode, Jamie is 23. Leary is what, 15, 16? 15. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind for what's about to happen in this episode and what happens in the future. Because I feel like, and I think I've said this in Boozy Book Club and got, I got ragged on a little bit. But if I had to choose, I would take Leary's treachery over Black Jack Randall's or even the Duke. I think the Duke was the, I hated his character. Hated mm. him. Sandring him. Hated him. Yeah. But please continue. <laughs> what whiskey You're did right. you pair with this episode? This episode, I chose the Glenlivet Founders Reserve. This is a single malt scotch whiskey. It is from the Highlands. So I thought it was appropriate because Castle Leoc is in the Highlands. And this is just a really good go-to. It's super affordable. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of single malt Highland whiskeys in my collection yet. But that will come someday. But it's very sweet. Hmm. I don't want to talk all about it yet because I haven't had enough of it. <laughs> I haven't had an opportunity to try that one, but I've had a lot of their line and they do make really good scotch whiskey. So I'm sure I wouldn't be disappointed once you send me some of that. So hint, hint. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I wish that I had when I was in Scotland, I tried something called Glen Goyne, which is another Highland whiskey. That is one. That's my jam. That is one of the best brown liquors that has ever passed my lips. I love the Glen Goyne. having a moment of ecstasy right now. Give it <laughs> to me. Give it to me, baby. That's the only distillery I went to when I was in Scotland because I had to go because it's my favorite one. I wish you could all see the video on this right now. You can't, but I think we're looking at Megan's O-face right now. <laughs> I know. That is definitely her O-face. <laughs> I have everything. Glenn so Glenn. I definitely need to, everything. to throw a dog a bone over here. Cause I, I want to try it. And Shakespeare? I have like four different kinds of Glen Goyne. Yeah. I think you need to send some Glen Goyne. 
What are you guys drinking tonight to go along with Casa Leoc? Ivy? I'm actually having the Widow Jane New American Oak 10-year. It is by far my favorite of their line. I chose this one because in this episode, Claire kind of realizes that she is where she's at and she is not a married woman where she's at. And Jamie catches her in a very vulnerable moment and asks her like what she's thinking about. And she's like, I'm thinking about my husband. And I was like, you know what? Widow Jane. Also, you'll hear about this one again because one of my favorite characters, Dr. Abernathy, calls Claire Lady Jane. And at any given point in time in her life, one of her husbands are dead. So Widow Jane it is. Damn, stab me right in the heart. Oh. I thought about that one, guys. I thought about it. Yeah. Warner yeah, girl. I mean, like, think about it. Holy she goes crap. back to the future. Jamie's dead. She goes back to the past. Frank is dead. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. But my question is, okay, I'm kind of playing the devil's advocate right now, but she says my husband's dead, right? To Jamie. Well, she says he's not alive. And he's just assuming she's dead. Or he's dead. If he isn't born I just yet. used to play on words because it fit my whiskey and I don't care what anyone says. Ah, okay. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> well, you would assume that he's dead. I think that's fair. Yeah, and that's what she wants them to assume because she has no way of explaining herself. So. Yeah, I think it's very fair. Her presence, I should say. Not yet. Meg, what are you drinking? All right. Oh, Chattanooga. Chat whiskey. Represent my town, Chattanooga. So they have an experimental distillery, aside from their normal distillery, a couple miles down the road. This is an experimental single batch series. It is, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, Moscatel and Sauternes barrel finish. The reason why I chose this one is because it's a double grape slash wine finish. And if you recall, Column points out to Claire in the kind of feast dinner that they have in the middle of the episode. He talks about how he is pouring her some red. You know, wine. I had mentioned this earlier that I wanted to do the Basil Hayden red wine cask finish because I thought it would be perfect for the same reason why you chose. But it's oh, yeah. so delicious. I know that before this episode that we're recording is over, I'd be on the floor drunk because I'd finish the whole bottle. It is so good. It's one of the best. <laughs> I think that one and the Caribbean cask, it tastes like pecans. Oh, it's so good. It tastes like a pecan pie. And I'm probably Ugh. saying it wrong, but I'm not from the South. So whatever, y'all. <laughs> yeah, pecan? Like, no, it's pecan. I'm like, it's pecan. Okay. I think you're saying it right. Uh-uh. I say a pecan. I would give anything if I could try Column's Rhenish. That would be absolutely amazing. I looked it up. It's supposed to be really sweet. And I don't do sweet Yeah, I'm not wines. a big fan of it either. So that threw me off a little bit. Neither do I. I do. I'll take one for the team. You can count on me. You know the other one I'm going to try to get? I am going to get some Cherry Bounce. <gasps> That like they had at Jocasta's little barbecue because it's a North Carolina product and they had some at the Highland Games and I've seen it in the ABC stores here. I just don't know how much 
I don't know if it's going to be so sweet that I won't enjoy it because the price point is like $130. Damn. About a year ago, my cousin posted a recipe for Cherry Bounce that my aunt had taught her, and I had never heard of this before. I've been on this planet for almost 50 years, did not know that there was a family recipe for Cherry Bounce. There's brandy involved. It's got Robitussin in it, doesn't it? Lots of sugar and sitting on a windowsill for months. We're going to go on a trip. Yeah, yeah. But I will go back on Instagram. I will find that recipe from my cousin. Or maybe I'll just send her a prepaid box to Wisconsin and she can send it down here. Yeah. And I will tell you, uh, I learned a lot of things since I moved to the South. One, I had never heard of this tea that you make. It's called sun tea. Is that right? Where you make the tea and you put it in the jar and you put it on the windowsill. Yeah. And you just let it it set there. And the sun kind of warms it up to a temperature. And then, yeah, and you know, like having sweet tea. Yeah. Oh, to steep it. Yeah, I didn't know that's... So you're like steeping it in the sun. Yeah, I did not know that was a thing until I moved to North Carolina. And I was like, wow, y'all are really doing things out here differently. (laughs) Did you know I lived in North Carolina for a couple years? I moved to Raleigh in 2008. I lived in Nightdale, right outside Raleigh. I had a girlfriend that lived there. Yeah, just trying to leave the rat race of California behind, and that didn't last oh, and very then you long. Came here and found out that it's not. It's not what you've graduated from rat race to raccoons out here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those jokers are feisty. <laughs> hey, we do have armadillos now too. Armadillos. That is true. Good lord. I love the southern accent on the word armadillo. It reminds me of... Armadillo? Um, oh, God. Steel <laughs> magnolias. The groom's cake looks like an armadillo. Damn armadillos. <laughs> oh, I love it. I don't know about your sun tea, but it's okay. I think that's a below the Mason-Dixon kind of thing. Well, steel magnolias is in Louisiana, and I'm all about that. So Do they do sun tea there? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the first time I ever heard about it was here. I don't know where I first heard about it, but I did. I made it in California. I also learned about grits. Mm. Are you talking about the grits? Oh, don't tell me about grits. No, that's going to make me. Curious. If you put sugar oh in your grits. Oh my God, that's what spinning. I've heard. They're like, you do salt, you can do pepper, you can do eggs, you can do cheese, but you cannot do sugar in your grits in the South. It is a get your ass out of town offense. Amen. Yes. I put sugar in my grits. Mm -mm. Don't tell me that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know better. I've lived here long enough not to say those things out loud. Yes. It is a mortal sin. Putting grits on my plate is a mortal offense. (laughs) She is not playing. I didn't do grits until I moved here. I'm going to eat a big bowl of grits. And I'm going to send y'all a picture tomorrow morning. Ew. It's the same as porridge or po- what do you call it? Porridge? No, nah, it's not. Nah. Porridge. porridge. It's thick enough if you let it sit long enough. The texture is different. I'm throwing a flag. One is corn and one is oats, right? Yes. I don't know the I difference. think so. All right. So let's get into episode two. Terry, start us off. Let us know what we're getting into here. So... Castle Leoc, 
This episode jumps back and forth in time, and Claire's walking down some different corridors of this castle. She's riding up to the castle at the beginning with Jamie on the horseback, realizing she was just there two days ago in her life, and it was a ruin. It was an absolute ruin. Let me tell you, as much as I love this episode, I could not imagine how much more I would love this episode having been to Dune Castle. The feeling is almost as good as Lallybrock. It's almost as good as Midhope Castle. I was able to visit Dune Castle in October and walk all around it. And of course, some of the interiors aren't the same, but there's there's a kitchen, there's a hearth, you can tell where the ovens used to be. And just imagining this episode and being really in the live place that they used for the location felt unbelievable. I can imagine. And I didn't know, because this was on our... Kind of surreal, right? What? I said kind of surreal, right? Incredibly surreal. And... Speaking of locations, there's other things that I noticed throughout the episode. The room where Mrs. Fitz puts Jamie and Claire so that Claire can tend to his shoulder. That is the room that eventually becomes their bedroom once they return to Castle Leoc as a married couple. If you look at the fireplace, you can tell. And when Mrs. Fitz throws open the curtains on... Claire, when she sleeps throughout the day. Yes. That is, that's the bed that becomes their bed, which they don't use, you know. Well, she does, but then that is the bed. Know, carpet burns. But that's a story for a later time. Speaking of carpet burns, we're going to go ahead and address right. something. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, before you get too far into the episode. So you're talking about how she's going through all these different corridors in these rooms and remembering just two days ago, she was visiting with Frank there. So as I know where you're going going through the episodes and this is happening, all I could think of, first of all, two things, because I didn't mention this in the first episode, but you know, they get into the surgery, the dungeon. (laughs) And Claire's just like the dungeon, right? And and Claire's like fingering the table and like these memories of getting her ass ate out on the table. And I'm just sitting there like, (laughs) he's thinking she's having a very like, oh yeah, this is great. This is so interesting. In her mind, she was like, I did some nasty things on this table like two days ago. (laughs) Also, I meant to say this in the last episode. First of all, Frank, Y'all in a dirty, nasty, funky-ass dungeon. And Claire gets her ass up on this dirty, nasty table. Ain't got no drawers on at all. And you over there No panties on. Like, you're a whole freak. Mm -mm. You're a whole entire freak. First of all, I bet your teeth are itching because that shit was (laughs) nasty. Okay? That was nasty. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are you serious? Come on, Claire. Again. Book Claire would have kicked TV Claire's ass for doing nasty nope. shit like that. All right, I'm throwing a flag. I am throwing a flag, and here's here's a position. Ha ha, she said position. <laughs> here's a position that I'm going to take throughout all of our discussions, no matter what season we're on. She was wearing a skirt. It was not nasty. Like she didn't she didn't you- touch the nastiness. 
And I don't give a shit about Jamie's pee-pee hands when he's reaching to touch Brianna's face. He'd Mendo pee on their hands. Wait, when did that happen? Oh, there's so many arguments about because oh, Jamie's taking a pee when Bree walks up behind him. We'll and- get to that. Yeah, I remember. I remember. When they first, yeah. I think he kind of dusted off a little bit. By the way, here's a good moment to say, blanket spoiler alert. <laughs> We're waiting for the release of season seven. Do not get up our ass about spoilers. If you haven't read the books... Oh, yeah, because we're talking about everything. If you haven't seen the show through season six, get off your ass and watch that shit before you come back and listen to our show. Sorry, we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because I'm literally... Whatever comes to my mind is coming out of my mouth. Yes. So. Amen. Yes. <laughs> you have been warned. I will say all But I will take. I will take the counterpoint to Ivy. Yeah, I just... I, I get it. I mean... I, I I hear you, I feel you, but I will say this. I have sat on a many a table and there's not a, I, I wouldn't say I've done it in a skirt, but I will tell you there's not a, enough skirt for me to justify her sitting on that table with no panties on. There's not, I can't, there's too much dust. Look in the show. You see the little dust mites, you saw them. All that shit. And he hiked it up. It wasn't like he went under. He hiked it up. Just because the camera wasn't facing doesn't mean we couldn't have saw what he was looking at. He hiked it up. He went down there and got all that shit in his face. He probably got COVID shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. Like, that was the one sticking point in that scene. And then when she comes back, Colm is over here trying to entice her to stay, which he wasn't. He was like, you're stuck here. You're not leaving. You don't know where you're at. You don't know where you're going. And no one's going to take you. Sit your ass in this dungeon and fix some bones. That was a shout out to you, Meg. Yeah. Can I also piggyback that? Sure. How the hell with a field nurse training did she know what Toulouse Lautrec syndrome is? Thank you you like what so no. this is Sorry. again where i feel like there was some creative liberties taken where we have to suspend reality inside of a suspension of reality because as meg said for a field nurse i could technically be a field nurse i mean i'm not registered but i did all the things that she did on a field so technically i could be a nurse However, comma, pause, I cannot tell you shit that she just described when she looked at Colin. I know what a tracheotomy is because they taught me how to do that, but they did not tell me what a degenerative bone disease was that would make you bow-legged and look like you are walking on horse legs. (laughs) Connective tissue and degenerative bone disease called Toulouse-Lautrec syndrome as a field nurse. Yeah, like, come on. But again. No. It's okay. No, it's not. Stop <laughs> playing with me. That's not that. That again is show Claire. That is not book. Claire. All right. But Claire went to med school. All right. I'm raining <laughs> this back in. I'm raining this back in. I'm taking it back to what, what, where am I at? I'm like eight minutes into this episode. It's playing in the background. So we have Claire and Jamie sitting in front of the fire Now, I know I said during the first episode of our podcast that Muddy Bloody Jamie was the moment for me, but 
watching this today, I honestly think I have to revise that. And it's got to be Jamie in front of the fire, where that's where I completely fell off the cliff and just fell in love with the show, the character, the actors. And let me tell you, when they released Sam's audition tape, along with the season six Blu-ray, you can tell exactly what he did the same. And there's so much that he did from his audition tape that he read it acted it exactly the same in the episode and there's little changes too if you've watched it a million times like we have it's so interesting to see that happen i'm gonna flow into the very next thing which is i don't even know how to explain it but it's just something diana said to me two months ago because they're still shooting season seven she gets dailies or rushes they send them via internet to her And don't think that I haven't asked for a Christmas present of her showing me dailies. I have asked for that and it's not happening. But (laughs) she told me something that was so cool, which is watching dailies is that's the time when you get to see an actor work. Because if something's not going right, they'll shoot it 10, 12, 15 times. And the actor will do it different ways on every take. And you can watch it evolve and you can see what they end up cutting into the episode at the end. I'm like, that is so interesting to me. You know, we've seen Sam and Katrina's chemistry test. We've seen the way that the fight down by the river is the same as their chemistry test, how, it, how it's different. You can see the same thing in Sam's audition tape how he nailed so many parts of Jamie's mannerisms right out of the gate. And I am absolutely here Mm. for it. Meg. Yes. What would you say was the episode that made you, I would say, fall in love with Sam's character? If we were just going to go off of season one. Um, I have not rewatched them in a long time, but I can tell you it was probably around the time. What's the episode where he and Leary are kind of like by the river? No, 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 not that one. But when they're kissing. Oh, that one's the next episode. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So that might be my favorite one, but I think it was that one. You know what mine was? What was it? When he had to rescue Claire from being burned. Ooh. The devil's mark? To the stake as a witch. Yeah. When he came in and was like, if you put your hands on this woman, I'm killing everybody in this bitch. And they were like, oh, he looks serious. Let's let him go. I'm ad-libbing, but... That's pretty much how it went down, if you hadn't seen it already. For me, it it was episode two. It was not only in front of the fire, but let's be honest, um, when Jamie was strung up in the arch of Lallybrock, getting whipped, naked to the waist. Hello. Ugh. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. New kink unlocked. Mm. (laughs) New kink unlocked. All right. (laughs) See, I'm in it for the chase. I'm like, okay, well, now they're together, and this is so cute, but I'm in it for the chase. Yeah. I like watching, like, oh, they're almost together. Oh, no, he just kissed someone else. Oh, no, they're – I love it. I love it. That's when I'm like, I want you. 
I don't want to stop you on your flow there, but before we get to the end of the episode, is there anything at the beginning of the episode that you had noticed, Megan, or that you wanted to speak on? So piggybacking what we talked about in the first episode of our podcast, why the hell does she wait until the second episode when she gets to Leah to start freaking out and wanting to go back through the stones when she had the opportunity to go through the stones when she was still up at Cregna Dune. Yeah, I don't... I don't know. That's just... It's always going to bother me. I thought about that. And you you heard what I had to say. Because most people would have just marched their ass yeah. right back up that <laughs> hill and just touched the stones again, right? But of course, there wouldn't be a story. I know. That Everybody calm down. So I think what, what thwarted her attempts was uh, our main man, Murtaugh. He just busted her in the back of the head and threw her on the back of a horse. And she woke up and she was miles Mm -hmm. away. So, like, the opportunity was very slim, right? Black Jack Randall had her by knife point. He ripped her dress up even more than what it was. And then your boy Murtaugh jumped out of nowhere, clubbed this dude, hit her on the head, took off. So her window of opportunity left when she lost her watch and her belt. Like, that was... You didn't have any chance of going back after that. We would all know how that happened. If anybody out there can tell me, how did this woman... I mean, I watched this first episode at least six times in the last week, and I still can't understand. Yeah. Like, how did your belt fall off? I just... I don't even care about the watch anymore. (laughs) So this is the thing, right? When... So I'm fast-forwarding a little bit. When she's thinking about... Frank and she's talking about they're they're in front of the fire and she's like yeah he's not alive right and then it pans back to Reverend Wakefield and uh, Frank finding the car at the car this is the thing that gets me in the first episode when Frank saw Jamie his ghost the first thing he jumped to was oh this half have been cheating on me let me find out if it was this dude that was looking in the window right? Then she's over here reminiscing. She's, she's doing an audible and she's like, I wonder what Frank is thinking that I've run off with another man. Uh Why is the first thing everybody, like he's now making her feel a certain way because he's already accused her. And now that she's gone with no trace, the first thing she's thinking that he's going to think is like, Oh, I ran off with this dude that he saw in the shadows. And ironically, she did. (laughs) But it might be. She didn't know at the time. You know what I mean? And I was just like, the only time that this, like, you know, it got in my head. And I was like, when people accuse you of an action that is not in your character, it's because they're doing it. And I was like, I bet Frank was out there laying down pipe in them London streets while she's in the front lines of France. Amen. Stopping bullets and clogging holes. You know what I mean? Because it made no sense. That's the first thing that he said. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. you was out there doing your thing. And I won't mind if you did. You will lie because this is the 1940s. You would have definitely minded if she was out there. Fuck it. End of rant. So that was the first thing. And the other part. So we get to the dinner party, right? And I love, this is my favorite scene in this whole entire episode. Because it is just chaos it's chaos right (laughs) claire walks in right 
And this bitch starts diming out folks. Like, she doesn't even mean to, but she's so nervous. She just starts diming out folks. Like, yo, where's uh, Mr. McTavish? They're like, who the fuck is that? They're like, Jamie, the dude that got shot. Oh, yeah, I didn't know he was an outlaw. That dude, that's who I'm looking for. <laughs> Everybody's like, damn, why are you asking about a dude that ain't even supposed to be here, right? Because not everybody in the castle knows Jamie's situation, because if they did, his ass would be in jail right now. You know what I mean? He's even said that to her when they were out at the, the horse stables. Like, if somebody finds out about me being here and there's a price on my head, I'm going to jail. But I trust you not to say anything. And what does she do when she walks in? Oh, y'all, have y'all seen Jamie? Have y'all seen Mr. McTavish? <laughs> Bitch, if you don't shut up. Because <laughs> that's exactly how Dougal looked at her. Like, why are you bringing this man up? Ain't nobody said shit about him. You know what I'm saying? Now I got to explain to Colin why he's still in the castle. But that's not the point. Uh, and then <laughs> she pulls a Maury Povich. The son. <laughs> she pulls a Maury Povich, like, real quick. You are <laughs> Who's the that father. baby's pappy? <laughs> Dougal, you are the father. <laughs> Dougal said, they're like, if this bitch don't shut up. <laughs> the results are in. Let me pull up my envelope. I'm mad because he's like, I mean, Letitia, like, oh, so you just going to put my business out in the streets. I don't even know who you are. Get <laughs> the fuck out of my house, man. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is my favorite episode. I love Letitia. She is, she's not, I don't want to call her ice queen, but I do sort of want to call her ice queen. Like she's in control. She knows yes. what the that situation is. She gave her, she was like, bitch, we all know that that man is not my baby daddy, but you ain't got to say shit in front of all these people. Exactly. Now get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> The other thing, the last thing I'll say. No, really, though. You're staying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call him, fix that shit. Oh, you got something to say? Well, you won't say it in this dungeon, bitch. <laughs> so the other thing is when she meets Galus for the first time, did you guys notice what music was playing in the background? No. No. Because it went from, like, the Scottish Highland soft music to, like, I think some music from the forties, like big band music. Really? Did you notice that? <gasps> I forgot. Yes, I did. And I forgot. Yes. 100% did notice yeah, that. I thought that was kind of cool. They Claire did, was like... humming to herself and I don't know what she was humming, but it was definitely, you know, not bagpipe music. Yeah. That was when she was getting dressed and she right. was trying to like avoid all of the peeps. But, uh, I noticed that they were, I was trying to figure out what the music was that they were playing, but I'm like, oh, I've heard that tune before. And that was something that they were playing when she was back with Frank in the future. And I thought that was kind of cool that they were kind of like, uh, there's your indication that this woman may be from the future as well. Okay. I love how they do that in the newer seasons too. Yeah. Little, little callback. I like it. But yeah, Leary was my last little rant. Um, but we'll, we'll hold that for later. <laughs> Your turn, Meg. <laughs> I'm so I'm one of the it. one of the other things I love so much about this episode is I think I alluded before all of the characters that we meet, even if we've seen them a little bit before. But we meet Mrs. Fitz, who is just one of my favorite characters of the whole show. We meet Rupert, even though we've seen him before. We meet 
uh, we know we learn even more about Dougal. Obviously, we meet Colum, we meet Letitia, we meet Hamish. God, I'm trying to remember who all. Old Alec in the stables. There's so much. Mm-hmm. So early in a series, I love the parts where you're getting to know all the characters and you still don't know who falls into what category. So that's another reason that I chose this as as one of my favorite episodes. And Jamie training the filly out in the stables and then talking to Claire and deciding not to lie to her and be honest and deciding to trust her. And and she mm, even... The way that she knocks over that tin can and makes noise and the filly jumps away from Jamie, it's like the very beginning of, can you stop hurting the man? (laughs) She's going to do something all the time that's going to get him injured. And that I don't like, but you still have to love them and how devoted they are to each other, even through all of it. (laughs) Yeah. I think also the other reason why I enjoy this episode so much, besides the chaos of the dinner party, is I think that I saw Claire and Jamie fall in love by the fireplace. When he gave her that hug and she was like... She literally... You know what I'm saying? Like, you you know the part I'm talking about, right? When he holds her and... She jumped back. Yeah. Jump back and apologize. Because I think at that yeah. moment is when they're okay. This is going to be cheesy, but I can say it because this is going to be cheesy. I think their souls connected right then. I'm not even kidding you. Like it was so, it was such a special little moment, and I'm like, that's the moment we just saw where Claire and Jamie become Claire and Jamie. You know what I mean? There's no more Frank. She's got doubts now. She might want to stay. And let it all hang out at this point. So, I would. I definitely would. But <laughs> I would have before that. I'm surprised that no one has said anything about. Is this the episode? And maybe I'm. I've watched it a couple times, but this is. Mm-hmm. The, is this the episode where after Jamie gets his beating, Claire catches him and Larry making out? No. Or is it the next? The makeout is the next episode. Yeah, that's what I brought She's up. She's always healing him episode three. when he's, you know, injured. And she does it at the end of this episode, too. But before that... You know what? I was going to say also... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, the third, the third thing that I love so much about this episode, strangely for me, is all the Gallic. And you don't yeah. get a translation of it. You don't they definitely do a lingo the hell out of this episode. You don't get the translation on stars. You don't get the translation on Netflix. But the show really is so careful, so meticulous about the training that the, all the actors had to go through. And all of the great hall scene, it's all held in, in it's all spoken in Gaelic. And that's just so atmospheric. It yeah. draws you it drew me into the episode more than almost anything else. It's immersive. I really dig that. That's what I meant. Like, you know, when we were talking about the first episode and just like how Diana had managed to, she is a prolific author. I wouldn't even say she's a writer because like you cannot write, you can't write this. This is coming from a place like 
every minute detail that you can imagine that somebody would nitpick, like we are right now going through the show. This is like show stuff. This is not the book, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the wallpaper, right? The books. There's so much detail. I am a very visual reader, so I love descriptive words. So when I read her books and I listened to her books, I could see clearly, I, I didn't have to Google what a bannock was or what an 18th century corset looked like, or, you know what I mean? Like she's so descriptive in the way that she writes that it feels like an immersive experience. It really does. It feels like, like I said, she hits all of your senses when she writes, like the smell, the touch, the feel, the taste. I can't imagine those things, you know? Sometime we're going to have to deep dive on an episode into the costumes and the set design because I don't think this show would have been nearly as entertaining, nearly as engrossing. We wouldn't have fallen over a cliff into love with Outlander and made it such a big part of our lives if it wasn't for all the dedicated people who brought the show to life. You know, John Gary Steele mm -hmm. and Terry Dresbach and Ron Moore, obviously. But it isn't just about the actors. It isn't just about the writers. It's about every person on the team who threw their talent and their creativity into bringing this to life. I'm so glad it never became a two-hour movie between 1991 when it was published oh, and 2014 yeah. when the show finally came out. Oh, my goodness. It would have to have a Titanic slash Avatar budget to do it justice. It never could have. I mean, we had six. Oh I will tell you that of the first season just to get through the first book, and the first book is one of the shortest ones, right? Comparatively, right? Yeah, I think that speaking of the costumes and like, can you imagine having that kind of dream team? I mean, like, I know there's a lot of creative directors out there that are like, shit. I mean, Game of Thrones their costumes were pretty phenomenal. And I will tell you straight up, Outlander beats mm -hmm. it, I think, personally. Mm -hmm. And I know they're two different genres, but when it comes to the intricate details of the costumes that they wear in Outlander, I mean, hands down, by far the best I have seen in any kind of production. If you... I mean, they get down to the details. If anybody's interested, you Paint. can follow Outlander underscore costume on Twitter that's Terry Dresbach's dedicated Twitter account. Mm -hmm. She was the costume designer for seasons one through four, I believe. Might be one through five. I could be wrong. But the storytelling that she goes into on her Twitter account for Outlander Costumes is phenomenal. And you can get lost in it. It's a rabbit hole that can go on for days and days. This, she has sketches that she puts up photos. She has fabric swatches. She tells the story of how the clothes tell the story. And it's absolutely amazing. And the same thing with, with Gary Steele and his husband, Barry Waldo. There's such an embarrassment of riches out there about Outlander that if you are just discovering it... Thank you for joining us on our show. We're probably doing spoilers galore for you, but get immersed into it. It's it's quite a ride. It's a fucking ride. Yes. 
It's true. All the things. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, for me, I've I've watched this episode a a couple of times and (sighs) I love it. I love, I mean, I honestly, like my favorite part is the dinner party, but I'm sure people will speak on what happens later when her and Geely are sitting in the crowd watching Jamie get his ass beat. So (laughs) now we come to the what if segment of our... (laughs) episode let's have it what do you think it's gonna be this time for me if i had to guess why the fuck would jamie take a beating for some girl he's never even spoken to thank you (laughs) thank you right so that is what my do you know how much pain could have been saved in everybody's life in this show if jamie wasn't such a goddamn hero and i'm just like why okay so this now i'm gonna say it right Obviously, obviously, now this is hindsight, but obviously, Larry's a whore. A whore. No. And I will tell you, as many times in the first three seasons, a whore. Say it like Marsley. Whore. In the first three seasons. Oh my God, don't even get me started because I'm, I'm going to talk about that chick later on. I love her now, but before she could have got her ass whooped just like her mama. But anyways, I will tell you the first three seasons of this show, first two and a half, everyone accused Claire of being a whore. And she had literally not slept with anybody. Meanwhile, Gilly, Leary, what's that other chick's name? Um, Mary, all these women sleeping around and y'all keep calling this woman a whore. No, not Mary. I don't Ma- no, understand no, no, no. Wait, wait, Louise. Louise. Louise, whatever. I can't remember the name. But anyways, why are y'all keep calling this woman a whore? She literally has only, and at this point, hasn't even had sex with Jamie. Well, uh, at the end of the first season. But still, they keep calling this woman a whore. But let's go back to this beatdown. <laughs> so I'm sitting here watching this, and I'm like, mm. when Claire is fixing him up again, she asked the same question I asked. Why the fuck did you get your ass beat over a girl you've never talked to before? And he's like, oh, because it would have been embarrassing for her. Yes. She's been out in these streets, hoeing. And embarrassing her family. She needed her ass beat in front of all those people. So she wouldn't do it again. And if she did, then she knew exactly what was going to come to her. And this is the reason why Leary can't be the villain. Because Jamie turned her into that villain by taking that ass whooping. What if he hadn't? She would have got her ass beat. She would have went back to her house. Got her life together. And her family would have lived happily ever after. Claire and Jamie would have lived happily ever after. A lot of things probably wouldn't have transpired. However, comma, pause, they did because Jamie is the reason Leary is the dragon she is. End of story. Full stop. Fight me. I am speechless right now. I cannot even comprehend that I never <laughs> looked at it from that point of view. Holy shnikey. It's true. Like, she would have never been the villain had he not done that. What do you think... Were y'all wondering what was it Myrta and Jamie were talking about before Jamie decided to yes. speak up and take the beating? Did, did that cross your mind? They were talking in Gaelic, so I don't know what they said, but I'm pretty sure he's like, yo, I'm going to go take this ass whooping. Yeah, what do you think? And I'm pretty sure Myrta was like, you're out of your fucking mind. What do you think? I feel like Myrta was like, you're an idiot. Your head's full of porridge. Yeah, and he's going to be like, you know, if you do it, people are going to assume that you have romantic designs on this girl, and then you're going to be the one taking her home and putting her next to your hearth, a baby in the belly. 
And he's like, nah, I'm just going to make sure she doesn't get her ass whipped in front of all these people. Mm-hmm. But guess what you did? You turned Larry into the villain. Now she thinks you're in love with her ass. You want to know why? Because a couple of episodes later, you start making out with her. Now I'm going to get back on that little soapbox. Mm-hmm. He's 23. She's 16. She should be married by now in that era. So, like, I feel like Jamie in his naivete, because, you know, he was a virgin, but he said he was not a monk, so he knew how to kiss. You perpetuated this entire fantasy in her head. You took an ass whooping in front of everybody, and she literally has never spoken to you before. Then she goes to thank you, and you make out with this bitch. What do you think she is thinking? Oh, he's my man now. And then y'all go and pay some rent and you come back married. I'm mad. I'm mad about that. You shouldn't have done her that way. And that's why Leary is a thorn in your side to this day. Mm. Hot damn. End of rant. That's a hot take. You did take. it to yourself, you man. You to yourself. That is a fucking hot take. I'm telling you, it's been weighing on my heart. I'm going to need some time to uh, mull. Yeah, I, I'm going to need to like roll that over and under in my head. Fuck. I mean, I just feel like I have talked so much shit about Leary. I have, and I love Nell. Nell Hudson did a great job of making me hate this oh, woman yeah. until I thought about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Let me pick out the villains in this story. She's not one of them. She did exactly what a 16-year-old would do. Jamie, on the other hand, knew exactly what he was doing. Because he's like, oh, this chick said she was going home eventually back to her family. So, yeah, let me hook up with this chick. See what's, see what's good. Even though he had nothing to offer. He was literally being, he was being a fuck boy. God. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. What say you, Jamie? He was. Think about it. He had no money. He had a price on his I'm head. I'm going to go to bed tonight with that image in my head that Jamie's a fuck boy. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, think about it, though. He played Leary. He had nothing to offer her. He was never going to ask her to marry him because he already said, I have a price on my head. I have no land. I'm not a catch for anybody. But you took an ass whooping for her and then you make out with her later. Like, you used her. You used her for your own. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying he did bad things in this episode. Like, you did some fuckboy shit. Nah. Like, that's what you did. Nah. Okay, so here's my soapbox for this not this episode. My soapbox for season seven, because Nell is coming back. Anybody who's listening to this, stop giving hate to Nell Hudson. Oh, I know, man. Come on. Even if you... Do you know how good of an actress you are to make people hate you over a character? That is exactly my point. She is coming back to do yeah. this again, despite all of the hatred that she accumulated over previous episodes, previous seasons. As much love as we give to Sam over his portrayal over Jamie, we should give that much love to Leary for her portrayal of Leary. Because I hate that bitch. If she was a shitty actress, we wouldn't hate her so much. (laughs) Exactly. She did such a phenomenal job with that character. Even when she came back as a grown-ass woman with two kids, she still played that role. Like, And she's still the youngest one in the room. And I was convinced... That she was a middle-aged woman mad about her husband marrying the same bitch she left her for the first time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Jamie in this episode and in the next one. She's got some juicy stuff coming up in season seven and I can't wait to see it. Oh, I cannot wait. And if you hadn't read the books, I'm going to say something about it next week. So please 
read. Yep. Because I'm going to say something. Because that is... Um, you know what just came to mind? What's that? You say fuck boy, right? Mm-hmm. You said it's his fault, not Leary's fault. Lizzo. He said what? You know the song by Lizzo? Yeah. Yeah. I do not. Why are men great till they gotta be great? Yes, exactly. Like, he's a damn good man. But it's like, you're great till you gotta be great, then yep. you fuck up. But I will tell you, in the end, we fell in love with this this character, right? So we can never see any fault in him. But the reality is, right. there are some things that he has done that has created the monsters that are plaguing his life. You know what I mean? With that being said, I'm going to shut up and let you wrap up this, this episode and we'll get out of here. I think that's an awesome wrap up. Unless Meg has got some historic moments she wants to talk historic about. Historic moments with Meg. I don't. It's still the same year. There hasn't been enough time lapse. Well, that is Castle Leoc. That's episode two. We're going to bring it to a close tonight. We hope that everybody is enjoying the rants, the what ifs, the whiskey reviews. And we will be back with you again next week when whose turn is it to pick the next episode? It's Meg's turn. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. I already told you mine is going to be the rent. So don't pick that one. Mm. And then, you know, and, yeah. and as we wrap up season one, these are just our favorite episodes. Obviously, we're not going to do all 16, 17 episodes because we don't have enough time for that. But I think this last week, hopefully <laughs> some of our valued listeners will give us any ideas of what maybe we should post a what's your favorite episode of season one. And then the one with the most votes will do that show about. What do you guys think? That's a fantastic idea. Great. So that's great. Follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at Outlander with Friends. And in the link in the bio, you can find all of our other social media handles so that you can follow us everywhere. Like and subscribe to our podcast. Download it. We need some numbers, people. That's what we need. We need you to show the love. Please. Of course, yes. I support all the things, so come support us. Well, ladies, I will say this episode has been absolutely fun and chaotic, and I will uh, see you guys next time.